If you'd like to turn to uh, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to call this Hannah's Prayer this morning. Um, I was just talking to Pastor Ken on Thursday and I was reading 1 Samuel and, and so was he, so I thought, right, well there's a confirmation, so just wrote this um, <clears throat> so we'll start at verse 1 and it says now there was a certain man at Ramathem at Zoham of Mount Ephraim and his name was Elkanah the son of Jeroham the son of Elu the son of Tohu the son of Zuf an Ephraimite and he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Paniah. And Paniah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And, two, and the two sons of Eli, Hobni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when there... And when the time was that Alcana offered, he gave to Paniah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion or a double portion. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Let us just bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> Lord, we just thank you, Lord, and we are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this precious word that we have in our hands. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that it blesses us so richly, Lord, each time we open it, each time we hear from it. And Lord, this morning, I just pray, Lord, that you would guide me, Lord, through the scriptures, Lord, to speak unto your people this morning. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would have its way. And Lord, that you would touch the hearts of many. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for that great sacrifice that set us free on that day, on that tree. Oh, Lord, we give you all the glory this morning. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. First Samuel was, was written, or it took place, should I say, between about 1630 and 540 BC. And it starts with a record of Hannah. And this was Samuel's um, mother. And his father was called Elkanah, and it means possessed of God, or a possession of God. But you'll notice that his father was a Levite, or he was a descendant of the sons of Korah, who used to work in the tabernacles. They used to set up all the, the vessels and that. And this was set at a time, if you like, of the judges. And the judges were appointed people that the Lord had appointed at times of need for Israel to have a leadership. And Samuel, if you like, would have been the last judge. He would have been that bridge between the judges and the kings of Israel. 
So he would have been so the last one. But Hannah's life, if you like, could be summed up in three words. And that was prayer, his determination, and faith. When you look at Hannah's life, and I just want to go through a few points this morning. You'll notice whenever you read the first chapter of the first book of Samuel, God does amazing things. He really does. And I always notice that some of the most incredible accounts written in the Bible, some of the greatest men that the Bible ever talk about, they have all come from, if you like, barren women. Whether it be Sarah, Abraham's wife, or Isaac, Hannah, the mother of Samuel, and Elizabeth, the mother of John, the Baptist. God can do amazing things, and it always reminds me of the scripture in 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 27, when it says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the thing I want to try and challenge you with this morning is, we need to break out of our box or the box that we put God in. Because he doesn't fit in one. We really need to push the boundaries of what we believe with the Lord and just let God be God. <clears throat> I want you to notice something about the two women's names. Paniah means pearl. And a pearl is beautiful, but it's a natural thing. And even with Paniah, you could see her blessings came from the natural. But when you look at Hannah's name, it means grace. <clears throat> And grace can only be given from God. It's a blessing from God. And it means unmerited favor. And Hannah's source was Almighty God. That was her source. So if you'd like to let your eye run down to verse 7. And we'll read from verse 7. And it says, As he did so year by year, she went up to the house of the Lord and she, was provo- and she provoked her, that's Paniah. Therefore she wept and did not eat. And then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? Boy, he was modest, wasn't he? And you'll notice, you don't see the reply from Hannah. I reckon it was a look. And all the men are nodding. Yeah, it was that look. Verse 9. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Now the first thing I want you to see here is what she did. I believe the Lord delights in this kind of prayer. Hannah didn't go to her friends and say, look what this woman's doing to me. She didn't even go to her husband and start bending his ear and says, will you tell that woman to keep still? The very first thing she did was go to God and nobody else. 
she went to the Lord. But look at this. Let your eye run down to verse 13. It says, Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. You see, this woman began to pray from the heart. This is God's language when it comes right from inside. She just got on her knees, fell on her face. She wasn't bothered about the eloquence of what she was going to say. She couldn't even speak. But it was a cry from the heart. It was intimate. It was her and him. And as she was crying and she wept and her soul was sore, there was something else that was happening in her life and that was a brokenness. And brother and sister, I believe more than ever that we need a brokenness in the church. We need a cry from the heart like never before. And I can only go off my own personal experience, but I remember there was a time when I was laying flat on the floor. Everything seemed to be against me. I couldn't move. I couldn't pray. I said, Lord, what is happening? My walk was never, never meant to be like this. I thought when I came to you that everything was going to be rosy. Everything was going to be sorted out. You know what? It doesn't work like that. But you see in that depth of time, you see when my soul was vexed, you see when I I couldn't even say a prayer. The Lord said, I can hear you. And it was the first time I ever heard him speak. And I went, Lord, where are you? And he went, son, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It was the first time I ever heard him speak. And you see when she was crying out from her soul, you see when she was pouring herself out, you know what was happening? She was dying to a flesh. She was dying. But she was being birthed in the spirit. The Lord was doing a mighty thing in this woman. There's a mighty thing she was happening. Let your eye run down to verse 14. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunken neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaiden a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken unto Heather too. Belial was basically means ungodly or pagan. That's what she was saying. She said, don't count me with them pagans. And notice Eli, the priest, thought she was drunk. And it must have been a common appearance into the temple of the Lord, people coming in drunk. And it just shows you the state of the nation that it was in. But it just shows you the state of the priesthood as well. Eli couldn't tell when the Spirit of God was moving upon somebody. And unfortunately, that's where we are on this day. 
We can't tell the moving of the Lord anymore. And you notice something else as well. Eli was turning a blind eye to what his sons was doing. They were corrupting that priesthood. They were taking the best for themselves. They were fornicating with the women at the temple. And you know something? This is a big lesson for us. We have to be careful what we sow into. I mean in our lives. Because you know what you sow, you've got to reap. And people think, you see when they come to the Lord, oh that's it, clean slate and everything. Don't get me wrong, that's right. But you see after then, they're still sowing and reaping. And you see, if you sow into something bad, yes, the Lord is gracious to forgive, but you cry unto him for forgiveness and you hope that you don't reap that thing that you've sown. You pray to the Lord to make, because he is gracious to forgive you. But sowing and reaping is so important. Look at Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, 8 and 9. And look at what it says. It says, for he that soweth to his flesh shall, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You see, and I'm trying to say this the right way. But you see when the Spirit of God is moving. You see when you feel that presence of God. You see when you first come in and the Lord touches you and it's great and you can really feel the Lord moving you. Well then from then on, brother and sister, we have an obligation to sow to the Spirit. We have an obligation to get a prayer life. We have an obligation to be intimate with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have an obligation to read his word. Because only then can our spirit grow. Only then can that connection with the Lord Jesus Christ begin to flourish. Because when we're sowing into them things, you'll find find the moving of the spirit you'll find that spirit start to raise up in you and you'll start to see the Lord move mightily in the life of a believer. But you see, if you sow to that flesh, you won't feel it at all. You'll start to feel that connection die and you'll start to feel distance from the Lord. In John 6 and 63, says that it is... The spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profit nothing, absolutely nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. We need to keep focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he is doing. One of the things I love when you read about Hannah is I believe it's one of the greatest examples of intercessory prayer that you'll ever find in the Bible, bar the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice something about this woman is the great faith that she placed in the Lord through her situation. And in verse 7 it says, Year by year they went up to the house of the Lord and she was provoked. 
She was mocked by an adversary. And you can imagine the years that this woman would have endured seeing these children play and the joy that would have given their mother. But this very woman that she was being mocked by. But you'll notice if you, if you read chapter 1 in 1 Samuel, you'll notice that in verse 10, it will tell you she prayed. In verse 12, it will tell you she continued to pray. And in verse 15, it will tell you she poured out her soul. That's the difference. There was none of this, I'll pray, nothing's happened, that's it. I'll wash my hands with it. There was, I'll pray, Lord, I'm coming to you again. Lord, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up, Lord. I'm still here. She was in need of something. She was fed up with it. She wanted something to change. Do we want something to change? Do we want our nation to change? Then, brother, sister, we've got to be prepared to go on with the Lord no matter what. Them times that you don't want to pray, that's the time you need to pray. Them times you don't want to pick up the word and read it, that's the most blessed time you ever have. Just because we don't feel like it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. And this is what Hannah did. And I remember one thing. There was a book I was reading and, and there was a man one time. He came to John Lake and he says, Sir, he says, how have you ever seen the dead raised? And he simply said this. You see how it happened, sir, he says. When everybody else stopped praying, I didn't. It was as simple as that. He says, I wasn't going to give up. And when he went upstairs, he said to a man, he said he was dying in his bed. His wife said, there's no hope, Mr. Lake. You may as well just go home. And he says, no, there's no hope, but with the Lord, he's the blessed hope. He's coming down these stairs. That's what we need in these last days, brother, sister. That's what we need. You notice in James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, it says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that waveth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You notice something. The single-mindedness of Hannah. She just completely concentrated on the Lord and not on her situation. She didn't concentrate on anything that was going around her. But she just put it into perspective and said, He is the Lord my God. When she was going up to that temple year on year, she started to understand who the Lord was. She started to understand that this was the Lord of hosts. She started to understand that he was the one that was mighty in battle. That he was the one that gave Israel the victories. She started to realize this. And that's why she went, she poured her heart, and she wouldn't leave until she knew that spirit of God that was falling upon her. See, only the Lord can cure things. 
We can stand all day and preach to you. We can pray with you 24-7. But brother and sister, if you refuse in your own life to develop your relationship with God, well then, I'm sorry. There's nothing else we can do. Because you're going to have to get that revelation of who Christ is for yourself. You have to. Because it's all right looking to different men. It's all right looking to, to preachers in a pulpit. But you know when it comes down to it. You know when you come down on your own. You know when that adversary comes against you. The preacher's not there. Nobody else is going to be there. But I'll tell you who is. His name's Jesus Christ. He'll be there. And you need to know him. You need to know him more than ever. And especially in these last days. She started to realise who the Lord was. Would you take a look <clears throat> back to first, the first book of First uh, Samuel, chapter one, and verse eleven? She starts to see who the Lord is. Look, look at this verse. And she vowed a vow, and said, "O Lord of hosts, if Thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of Thy handmaiden." And remember me, and not forget thy handmaiden, but will give unto me unto thine handmaiden a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. You notice that Hannah now refers to the Lord as the Lord of hosts, the commander. She knows that he is the one that's got to give a victory. But also, you know, she asks for a child. But then she says to the Lord, you see that most precious thing in my life? I'm going to give it on to you. I'm going to commit it to you, Lord. Because she knew that the most precious thing in her life, when she committed it onto the Lord, it would be in the safest place possible, in the hands of God. She knew that that blessing that the Lord would give her, that child, if she committed it unto the Lord, he would bless it overly and abundantly more than she could ever imagine. And that's why she said, Lord, it'll be for you. Because it's your glory that you're going to do this for me. The confidence that this woman had in her, in her saviour, the Lord thy God. It was the confidence she had in him now because she built up that relationship. She cried unto him. There was brokenness there. She understood what the spirit of God was when it moved on her. She started to understand who he was. She trusted him. And he blessed her. And this is why in Luke 21... Verses 25 through to 28. When the Lord talks about the end times, listen to this. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and the stars and upon the earth distresses the nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Listen what he says. Men's hearts failing them for fear. What are they doing? And they're for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud and with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. What's the Lord saying? 
You see, when you look at that situation, you see you when you look at the earth and everything else that's going off in it, you see when you look at the governments, you see when you look at even the news channels and all the nastiness and everything else, it will bring fear upon you. But you see when you fix your gaze on Christ, then nothing will come against you. Because you'll know me. And you'll know all this stuff that's going on isn't relevant to you anymore. Because I'm the one that's with you. I'm the one that brings victory. Not men, not women. There's no point turning and looking around at somebody else. You have to look to Jesus Christ. Because he's the one who's got to bring you through. Turn to have a look at verse Samuel 17. Sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 17. I'm doing this quite a lot just recently. <clears throat> First book of Samuel, chapter 1, verse 17, sorry. It says, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thy handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. That beautiful one that says the Lord remembered her. It's more than a story of just how a woman was childless and gained a son. It's more of a story how Israel gained a leader. In those days, the Israel had no king. The nation was in an awful state. It was desperate for somebody to come and lead them in a righteous manner before the Lord. And Hannah's son Samuel became that God-given leader. He became the nation's leader. He was... He was the priest, he was the prophet, he was the kingmaker, he was the judge. And isn't it amazing how that nation was blessed, how it moved through, through Samuel, it moved up a gear spiritually. And you know something? This nation is completely blessed because one woman would not give up in prayer unto the Lord. There was a great blessing come. And what a witness that would have been. Can you imagine what a witness that would have been? This woman that was mocked, that was ridiculed. I mean, it was, <clears throat> it was considered a curse from God at that time. And yet she was the one who went up and prayed. And then the next thing she bore a son. Not only that, he ended up being the leader of Israel. Because she committed him unto the Lord. Isn't it an amazing story what the Lord can do? And you know the thing is, don't be frightened to pray big prayers. A lot of times we ask so little of God. We ask for our own situations. We ask for just enough don't be frightened to pray big prayers to really intercede on the God 
to move on a nation. For the nations of the world to be shaken by him. For the light of the gospel to shine brightly again all over the world. Is it too hard for God? Is it too hard for God to move upon any situation? And this is what I mean. We have to break this mindset that we have. But I just want to recap on a few things. You notice Hannah put God first. She prayed from her heart. She let the Lord move in her to break her. Three, she sowed to the spirit and not to her flesh. And four, she exercised faith because she wouldn't give up. You see, the key to answered prayer, don't give up. Even in the worst of situations, don't give up. And she fixed her gaze upon the Lord. I just want to tell you this. I remember there was, I read about a young man a few years ago. Don't know whether you've ever heard of him. His name was David Brainard. I read his diary. And it amazed me what the Lord did in this young man's life. He lived about the 1600s. He went to minister's college and he was going into the ministry. And at the age of 17, he started to get a cough. And he was told he had tuberculosis. They said, well, if you take an easy enough post, and maybe if you're staying warm, you might last to your maybe mid-30s, early 30s. David Brainard, he said the Lord had moved upon him to go and be a missionary to the Native American Indians. And they said to him, everybody said, you're crazy, David, because they'll kill you as soon as look at you. And two, physically you can't do it. He went anyway. Some of the coldest regions there was. And in a diary, there was a man said... He went up to give some food to David Brainard. And he says, what you could hear at night, he says, was the awful wretching of this man coughing because his lungs were disintegrating in his chest. He said, you see that man? He stayed with him for two days. He said, I didn't think it was possible. He said, that man preached all day and he prayed all night. When they asked him how long he did this for, he said he did it for 10 years. 10 years. At the age of 28, he took seriously ill. And a man took him in. David Brainard said the Lord had moved on him so mightily. He said, I had to. He said, I had no other choice. And the man that took him in started to write his memoirs. He was a fellow that was in the ministry himself, but he admitted that he'd gone cold. He said, I'd gone cold, and he says, I met this man, he says, and I was so inspired by what the Lord was doing. He says, I started to think about my walk with God and that how I limited the Lord in my life. Do you know who that man's name was? It was Jonathan Edwards. He started a revival across America. He published the book of David Brainard and it come over the water to England. There was another young preacher with his heart in his boots because he'd been preaching all over the place 
and there was nobody, as he could see, nothing was happening. He was ready to give up and somebody handed him this diary of David Brainard. He started to open it and read the pages and he started to see what the Lord was doing in this man's life and how he didn't give up. And he says, I want that to happen with me. He said, I'm sorry, Lord. He went in repentance before God. He says, I'm sorry I put you in that box. Do you know what his name was? It was John Wesley. And he started a mighty move of the Lord. Let me tell you something. It's dangerous to put the Lord in a box. Because we start to get lethargic to the things of God. And if there's anything I've learned, God does not live in a box. So let's get him out of the box. And let's unleash the power of God in our nation. Because we need it more than ever. Let's start to get on the knees and pray like never before. Let's start a fire in this church, people. Because we can. The Holy Ghost is with us. He is greater than sinners than we are in the world. And the world needs it. This place needs it. Guildford needs it. The nation needs it. We need people to stand in the gap. And guess what? You're sitting there. So let's stand in the gap. Let's do it. There's no point looking for anybody else. This ministry can stand in the gap for this nation. We can go across this nation and preach the gospel. You can see the fire of God. There's no point in saying, oh, I'm just a wee Christian. No, Jesus Christ is in you. He died to get himself in you. He died to get that spirit in you. Don't tell me you can't. Because this Bible says you can. Don't tell me you can't because you've got the spirit of the overcomer within you. Don't tell me you can't when you've been set free because it says whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Thank you and God bless for listening this morning. It was a simple message, but it's what the Lord laid on my heart for you. God bless you.